week two of Steven Seagal month, and I already want to quit. I think I've, <laughs> I think I might have seen half an hour of Steven Seagal in about three hours and 50 minutes in the movies I've watched. I'm pretty much watching these all in like the same week. And it's starting to become a nightmare just after this one. We're back. Steven Seagal week. And I've brought on a friend who I know enjoys martial arts movies. The one and the only Chris Maxwell. Welcome back. Uh, thanks for having me again, but and this this movie, well, it was something else. It was, it was indeed. And before that, before we get into all things Seagal, let's talk about, have you seen anything recently? Um, I have not been watching a ton of movies. I watched a movie a few weeks ago, but uh, we already spoke about that recently. And I won't bore the listeners with that. But uh, as far as the rest of it goes... I've kind of been circling around uh, watching the uh, Amazon Prime show, the Costner show. What is that? Uh, oh, Yellowstone. Uh, Yellowstone. Yes, I've been hearing it. A few people have been recommending it to me, but I kind of refuse to watch it because whenever I'm at work, there's nothing but Yellowstone advertisements. And I'm already sick of it just based off how hardcore they're advertising. If you have the Paramount channel on your cable subscription, Try and just DVR, DVR everything that they have, because if you I, watch, I will. Because if you watch it with advertisements, it's just their own shows, and it's the same four clips over and over again. I don't even know if I have that channel, but I'll check. Um, yeah, uh, but I, I haven't started watching it yet. I've just kind of circled around it. As far as what else I'm watching, uh, you know me. I'm a big fan of really classic television, yeah. so I have been watching from. Oh dear, I guess it would be the '80s. Uh, WKRP in Cincinnati, really good show about radio broadcasting. Okay, uh, really spot on. Uh, probably the first show about radio that has ever been. Uh, excellent, excellent show. Uh, the, there was a reboot in the '90s called uh, I can't remember what it was. WKRP in Cincinnati, like two, basically. Yeah. Um, that kind of flopped, but the original solid, solid as the day is long. Few references that are like a little bit like cringy now in the day, day and age we live in. You know what, what I mean? You know, you can't make those sorts of jokes anymore. Yeah. But beyond, beyond that, uh, the show stands up really well. Oh, yeah, I'm looking at it now. Uh, Laurie Anderson, uh, Howard Hessman, Jan yep. Smithers. Oh, Tim Reed. I recognize yep. that name. Yep. Famous Lon, Lonnie Anderson. Lonnie Anderson. Yes, yeah, sorry. Yep. Uh, Tim Reed, he is known for being in Sister Sister and the original It miniseries. Yes, and he and he plays a uh, Venus flytrap, a uh, evening DJ on uh, WKRP right. in Cincinnati. Howard Hessman also has had a really uh, excellent career, just kind of a background actor after this. So, but yeah. uh, he was uh, he's excellent in the show. And Lonnie Anderson was on every teenage boy's wall um, during this time period. She was like the she was the dream girl, the uh, the standard. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. Yeah, I can see it. Yeah, and she was in uh, a Night of the Roxbury as well, and. Uh, yeah. some, something called Stroker Ace. Yeah, it's very interesting. And uh, with you being a former radio guy, it's very interesting getting your perspective as well because you kind of have the professional opinion. Yeah, and I can tell you, it's uh, even when I was in, in broadcasting, and I mean, we're talking uh, 2007 through 2017. Yeah. Uh, 
I I can tell you very much that that show is pretty spot on um, okay. to to a lot of the characters, the people that you run into, the salesmen, even right down to some of the decor. Some of the stations uh, haven't haven't changed since the seventies. <laughs> So it's a uh, it's spot on. It's a throwback for sure. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Has there been anything else you've recently seen, or mm, let me just take a look here. I have been because I I've been binging, rebinging The Office, which is obviously uh, everybody watches that and it's a classic. I don't need, really need to talk about that. Um, let me see what else is on my queue here. Uh, I was watching another '90s show, Ally McBeal. Uh, okay, the Flockhart. I watched uh, the first couple seasons of that. Uh, David E. Kelly made it. Yes, made David that. E. Kelly. Uh, the show was pretty good, was way ahead of its time. I didn't realize it, but like I watched it when I was a kid and when it was on, but I did not realize how ahead of its time it was with some of the tropes and the references it was making. Very adult show and also dealt with a lot of things considering, uh, you know, homosexuality and acceptance and stuff like that way ahead of its time, I thought. I, I, I felt it really did the eccentric characters well as well. Definitely. Uh, yeah. With uh, Peter Nichol. Yeah, he was great. Yeah, every, everything I've seen him in from Ghostbusters to to this to uh, Veep. Have you seen him in Veep? I have not seen him in Veep. I actually, I am one of the few people and you're going to, you're going to, it's going to blow your mind, but I have not seen an episode of Veep. You need to check Veep out. Yeah. It, it is, it's very political because of subject matter, but right. has an amazing cast who are just tearing each other to shreds, really going for that whole political cutthroat style. And the writer is an Englishman who did a previous English political show called The Thick of It. Oh, really? Well, I will definitely, uh, I'll add that to the queue. It's been, it's been in my queue for a long time. I just have never gotten around to watching it, but I know I'll like it because uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus has got, some of the best comedic timing yes uh, of anybody i've ever seen there's a there's a whole episode in veep where she's trying to find out who called her a cunt oh man that's good that's, see, that's, you, you got me there <laughs> that's the entire episode she is yeah. so good but i'm just looking at david e kelly's the stuff he's done and that's jesus everything uh doogie hauser the crazy ones boston public goliath chicago hope and the man's winning because his wife is Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, Boston Public, for example, that's a very underrated show as well. If you haven't seen that, it was a 90s show as well. And uh, I I love that show. And it was kind of the same same feel as Ally McBeal in a way, but also kind of had the same steam, like where Ally McBeal started to lose steam around season three. I yeah. felt the, same, the, the, the exact same thing with Boston public around season three, it was like, Oh, okay. Like it, it's like, okay. they, have, they have good stuff to build up on, but then they just kind of run out of steam, which I agree with because he kind of needs an arc to finish. Otherwise the show just completely runs out. I've noticed that with him. And there's a student teacher relationship in Boston public too. Just oh. a little, uh, little thing to tantalize the audience because I know a lot of people are watching the show now uh, called a teacher which is all about that sort of uh, uh, student-teacher sexual relationship, blah, blah, blah. Oh, Lord. <laughs> yeah, all those mores. I watched a little bit. Of, I watched that too, I guess. I should mention that. I watched about five episodes of that, but I kind of lost interest because it felt like it was very rushed. Yeah. 
I watched the Netflix documentary on the Night Stalker, Richard Ramirez. You meant you mentioned that it is so good. I fin I finished the uh, four episodes uh, just last night, actually, and that is such a well put together. I like how they focus on the detectives trying to find him in their family lives and how it affects them and the recreations. They're not like outright ghastly, but they're enough to know what is going on. And it's just very interesting. I, I feel they rushed a bit at the end because he's caught and then he's sentenced and then he dies. There's nothing in between there. But I really like how they ramped it up. Well, I, I'm uh, I'm definitely interested in watching that as well. Uh, little uh, Easter egg here. Do you know which wrestler was called the Night Stalker? N- yes, wasn't it oh, Barry Windham? That was it. He yeah. was the, he was the Night Stalker in WWF, where he yeah, wore like, the Vince, camouflage. Yeah, Vince called him the Night Stalker because he uh, when they, when he was being interviewed for the job. Uh, Vince asked him what he liked to do, and, and Barry Windham said, "Oh, I like to hunt." So of course, uh, Vince, being yeah, hokey, everybody had to have a thing back in those days in the W. Everybody had to sort of had to have a job or yeah. whatever. You know, there was garbage men and clowns and freaking tax men and a plumber, a plumber. So, uh, so Barry Windham, one of the you know one of the great talents in wrestling, who did not need to change his name at all because. The Night Stalker has no cachet, but Barry Windham is a known yeah. commodity. They changed him to the Night Stalker and sort of, well, they dusty roads him. They ruined him. They did. And then yeah. he ended up with doing the new Blackjacks with uh, JBL. Yeah, sure. yeah. yeah. So yeah. there's that. And it, oh, it, it is very much insane what that whole bullshit and what they did to him. Oh, I could go... I- I could go on for hours about that, about all the guys they ruined. I mean, yeah, in, in that era, they, T, the guy they played, T.L. Hopper, who was the plumber, that was a dirty white boy from SMW. Yeah. Uh, he, he Fantastic worker. And the only thing he's now known for is eating shit on pay-per-view. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Pre- and then there was, um, oh, the guy that just passed not long ago. I can't think of his name now. Well, you got the goon as well. Yeah, the goon. That was Steve Irwin. Yeah. Um, or uh, Bill Irwin, sorry, not Steve, Bill Irwin, Steve Irwin. <laughs> yeah, Steve Irwin was the crocodile hunter. Yeah. <laughs> wild Bill, wild Bill Irwin. Yeah, and oh, okay. because he said he, as a kid, he used to play hockey. Even yeah, though, exactly. Even like, though he's a southern boy, oh, the, the, the only one that really worked with that whole thing was Matt Bourne being a clown because they kind of worked it to his to his gimmick. Yeah, it was good until he he uh, left. Yeah, till he left, I, he got he, he got strung out on drugs or whatever. And, yeah. oh, and the other one I was thinking of was uh, they called him Freddie Joe Floyd, but that was Tracy Smothers. Yes, uh, Godspeed, Tracy Smothers. Tracy uh, Smothers, who was freaking amazing. Have you ever do you, on your wrestling travels? Did you ever meet him? I I was not lucky enough to meet Tracy Smothers. I wish I had of. I met him on multiple occasions in England, and he is such a good time my yeah favorite, i know that's what i heard i just i just i wish i had a chance my favorite story was we were doing a wrestling show uh we were doing a wrestling seminar and the class was pretty wide it was like from 12 to like 46 right and he's in the middle and he's giving it advice he goes all right guys and it's like yeah southern draw 
if you're gonna fuck a rat, make sure you wear rubber and make sure you drink a lot of water. We're like, Jesus, Tracy. Yeah. <laughs> just just like straight shooting from the head, didn't care who heard it. You know, his own personal life advice he's giving off to everybody. So Oh, uh, Tracy Smothers is one of my favorite. I mean, before we get get into the weeds of this movie, I mean, one of the stories that, that's my absolute favorite is him cutting a promo on Vader for some for no reason. They weren't even wrestling, I don't believe. But he just basically called out Vader, called him fat, and then said, told Vader, if he has a problem with it, come to such and such address. And yeah. it was his actual at-home address. Yeah. Or the amount of times he was like, if anyone boos me, I'm going to kill everybody in this room. Yes, that would be like his uh, opening promo. Definitely, yeah, yeah. Tracy Smothers, uh, Godspeed. Godspeed. Anyway, but something that's not getting Godspeed is the internet in this movie, apparently, because no. we watched, and I keep messing up the title. We watched 2017's China Salesman. You got it. Okay, there we go. Directed by Tan Bing. Uh, it's produced by China. That's. It's in the title. It's a Chinese. It has English and Chinese, uh, mainly when the ca- Chinese characters are talking to each other. It was uh, budgeted at twenty US dollars, and its box office was one point five US dollars. Wow, yeah, one point five. <laughs> yeah, that's how much it made, including in its home country. Wow. When, when you're like a patriotic chat, like. Straight out of the bat, let's just say that this movie is Chinese propaganda. Yeah, it, it's a hundred percent propaganda, um, and it was something I was concerned about going in that it was going to be because of that. It was going to be unwatchable, and it, it, it is. It, <laughs> you know, to be to be honest, right off the top, I'll I'll just say I had a hard time following it for the first half of the movie i couldn't piece together what in the hell was going on and by the half of the movie then i was like oh okay i get it but i also was like i don't understand who is the heel and who is the baby face like i i could like it was so hard to understand who was the bad guy who was the protagonist who was the antagonist and then after the halfway point it it's still murky but it becomes a bit clearer and then it turns out it's the French. Yeah, like uh, yeah, like it was just the movie. I'll be honest, that movie had loads of potential, but it did, and it, it started off strong, uh, because you the movie starts off with a fight between Steven Seagal and Mike Tyson. Yeah, and I thought Mike Tyson handled himself very well holy in this sh- movie. Holy shit! Because it was to his boxing style. And I swear, I'm terrified that he might have actually punched somebody while he was doing the scenes. Yeah, like he was wild, and his yeah. he he was moving. Oh man! And, and Seagal looked like like you'd expect okay. a seventy year old fat white man it, to look. Here's the thing: during that scene, it wasn't Seagal. During the okay. fight, apart from a couple of clear green screen stuff, there was no exchange between Mike Tyson and Seagal. It was clearly a stunt double. Well, yeah, it? there's no, there's no way Seagal can move, move like that. But when they did cut back to him, you know, because you got to cut back to him before you plant in the, uh, the stunt double. Even his, just his basic movements were very slow, yeah. lethargic, uh, like he just drank a big glass of gravy. 
Oh, guaranteed, man. Like he he looks like Marlon Brando did in his without, later years. He looks like Marlon Brando without the talent. Yeah, without the gravitas. Whereas Steven Seagal's whole thing is that he does action. Whereas Marlon Brando, even though he was very large and was barely mobile, he could still act his balls off. Yeah, he was the, he was the world's best actor. Yeah, for a reason. Whereas this, and I do like that. Despite uh, I'm reading from ID, despite being he- featured heavily in the film's marketing, the conflict between Mike Tyson and Steven Seagal is just a small subplot that consists of just one short fight at the beginning of the movie. And during most of it, Seagal is clearly replaced by his stuntman, and that is the only scene that the two of them share. Because you see them both together, they get top villain. There's a shot of Seagal kicking Ch- Tyson in the chest, and it's about what two two minutes. Yeah, about that. Yeah. And let's talk about how the conflict happens because Scout owns a bar and apparently there's a prohibition of some kind. Yes, there's a pro. Well, I don't know if it's necessarily a prohibition or what the deal is, but Mike Tyson plays a African fellow. Black tribesman. A tribesman who their belief is not to drink. And for some reason in Steven Seagal's bar, you have to have you have to drink something to prove yourself, and uh, the Mike Tyson character refuses. Obviously, it's and, clear. Uh, I'm just going to uh, inter- interject. Yeah, you go ahead. There's clear that there's a prohibition there because the main character is arrested for having alcohol on him. Yes, yes, absolutely. So there is a prohibition, and I think just so that he's on this side, he he has to drink. Uh, Mike Tyson, otherwise he could be a cop or something. Exactly, yes. And so they decide to fuck with Mike Tyson. Uh, what was his name? Uh, Kobe, was it? Yeah. By pissing in a glass and trying to make Mike Tyson piss glass. I swear he was not acting when you try to make me drink piss. Yeah, like I, I, th- I felt real anger there. And I, I, I don't know. I thought Mike Tyson. Holy shit. Yeah. He's he Sean in this movie. Mike Tyson is the best actor in this movie. Hands down. Yeah. God damn. I don't mind the main character either, though. I thought he was pretty good. <laughs> the main character when he's speaking in his own language is okay. Yes, exactly. Not <laughs> when he's speaking English. <laughs> when he's speaking English. Holy shit. Oh, yeah. you're wrong guy for the wrong job. Like, it's okay that he, he's... He spoke all his lines of okay, but as an actor, he couldn't convey his like emotions or anything. So everything comes off flat. Yeah, it, very much so. It came it came off very flat. Uh, I could see the potential there. Yeah, he, yeah. It, it, it just it, it, it was it was a bit of a miss. It was, oh, it was a super miss. And while while we've also talked about Chinese, I actually want to talk to you now about the man himself, Steven Seagal. He was in this okay. movie for 10 minutes, but let's uh, talk about your uh, relationship with Steven Seagal before this movie. Like, have you watched many of his movies? Have you... Whatever. Back in, the, back in the day, I probably watched a few of his movies, but I've never been a Steven Seagal fan. I I, I didn't like him when he was at his height. I thought mm. he was all flash and a lot of bullshit. And a, a bunch of his movies were just so far out to lunch like in terms of any sort of realism whatsoever that i just i i was never a fan i could never lock into the steven seagal thing so i can't say 
uh, I came in with a high opinion of Steven Seagal. Yeah. And, and my opinion has remained the same. Yeah, for me, he's always bottom of the totem, in my opinion, when it comes to the 80, 90 action stars. So you got like Van Damme, uh, Arnold, Stallone, Chuck Norris. And I would probably put Arnold between uh, Arnold and Stallone is definitely first. It's very hard to kind of pick one between those two. And then you got Van Damme. And just because Chuck Norris didn't do much in the 80s and 90s because he was doing Walker, Texas Ranger, I'll put him next. And then you would have uh, Steven Seagal. There's probably some more that I'm forgetting, but they're like the main five. Yeah, Bruce Willis I would put in there too. Bruce Willis, yes, yes. Bruce Willis would, I would actually put uh, second. Yeah, me too. Yes, yes. So you, that's pretty much anyone that's in Expendables, that's worth a damn. Yeah, Steven Seagal is the guy that you got if you couldn't get those other guys you mentioned. Yes. Oh, do you have any other movies now? Yeah. Stallone movies? Uh, no. Bruce Willis? We only got uh, the first season of Moonlight. No, I don't want to watch that. Okay. Van Damme? No. Stallone? I mean, uh, Seagal? Yeah, we got we got um, Under Siege. All right, I'll take it. That's yeah. That's pretty much the conversation where it's or everyone else, and then it's Seagal. Yeah, you're 100 correct. I mean, I'd rather watch Dolph Lundgren than Steven oh, Seagal. Dolph Lundgren's great though. Like me and you, he, done- is, he is great. He didn't do much though, and and the things he did sometimes were questionable. His choices. Oh. They're, they're schlocky, yeah. but they're all fun schlocky, like The Punisher. It's a bad movie, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah, and he's good. It's just he chose bad movies. Yeah, uh, Masters of the Universe. I think, you know, we, we reviewed Punisher, didn't we? Yes, that's what I was just saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah we sure did. Yeah, and then Masters of the Universe, um, that's with uh, Courtney Cox. That was, yeah. that was a fun one. Uh, my my personal favorite is I Come in Peace, where he plays a surprise surprise a cop, and he is fighting an alien who injects people with heroin so that they could um you can get rid of the uh, happy hormone in humans and sell it to aliens. Oh, about, okay. Well, I have not seen that. It's uh, Dark Angel says I Come in Peace. It is such a fun movie. Definitely check it out. It's actually the second episode I actually, I ever did in this podcast. Okay, well I'll have to listen to that too. Yeah, it was me and Pat, Matt Pullman. Now let's let's talk let's talk about uh Yan uh Yanjian. We're, we're gonna fuck up these uh, these yeah. names. Uh, so he is a young Chinese IT engineer for a company, and. The way he is with the company DH is nuts. Like if if he was willing, he would chop his own head off for this company. Yeah, like he's 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 definitely he's, he's all in. Yeah, because they're talking about there's a scene. Like, what is even this plot? What is even this plot about? Do you have any ideas, Chris? Uh. I I don't know, uh, quite honestly, because it's like you mentioned, it starts out with a fight between Stallone or not Stallone. Uh, <laughs> oh, between, God. <laughs> I wish between yeah. Tyson and uh, Seagal. Yeah. And it it's unclear who the good guy is in this. 
because of that fight because they both seem like assholes. And then they and, cut, they kind of turn. Yeah, they do. They turn later, but I mean, it, it much later. Much it like at the end of the movie, they sort of turn out to be okay. But throughout the movie, they're both kind of grease bags, and you're like, okay, so who's the hero of the movie? Well, it turns out it's it's Yang Ji or Yang Chi yeah. or whatever his name is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, China, let's call him China Salesman because that's yeah, what he's yeah, known it, as. That's what he's known as. It turns out China Salesman is the hero of the movie. Yeah. And he's pulling off all kinds of ballsy stunts um, <laughs> that I don't know. It just, it just seemed seemed a bit crazy to me. But like I like I said, the plot of the movie, I, I don't know what they're trying to achieve with the plot of the movie because I don't know what it is. And that's really not a good that's not a good sign for a movie when you don't know what the main plot is. I'm not saying I didn't enjoy parts of it. Yeah. I, I did. I enjoy it. Like I'd watch that movie again. I wouldn't, but, but I just, I just don't know. Like I'd watch <laughs> it for action sake, but that's about it. I'll probably watch the Seagal, uh, Mike Tyson fight. Uh, and then that's it. Yeah. So, I'm going to read the synopsis. A young Chinese engineer volunteers to go to North Africa and help the company he works for to win a competition. The winner can earn the right to control the communication between South and North. And North. French spy Michael is ordered to go to North Africa and win the competition so that France can control the mineral resources of Africa. He hires the best mercenary in Africa, Lauda, and a former general, Kabat, to help him Yan discovers their conspiracy and is the only one who can stop them. Okay, so Seagal and Tyson were really supposed to be on the same team. Yeah. And it did not play like that. I think, I, I think it was uh, them going to get... He, he hires them, but because of ego, they start fighting each other. Yes, yeah. And then it, it turns around that Seagal ends up helping them at the end. He's in this for, what, 10 minutes, I would guess? Uh, yeah, I would say about that. Yeah, Mike Tyson gets more to do in this movie. He's kind of the one that, because when they've got to go and fix the towers to make that their 3G works, he is the one chasing them around in a tank. Yes, yes, absolutely. And let's talk about him chasing around in a tank, and let's talk about when he's trying to blow up the, the helicopter. Yeah, he, he's. This is towards the end of the movie, so we've we've gone through a bu- a bunch of. Uh, we've kind of glossed over a few points here, but. Uh, I'll glad China, sal- China salesman is trying to to win this three G contract, as you mentioned. Uh, which three G? I was like, what? Uh, what's what? What even is three G? But anyways, this is twenty seventeen though. So. I know, but three G was long gone in twenty seventeen. Even. But remember, uh, it's also in Africa as well. So. Africa, yeah. So. Uh, at any rate, he's trying to win this con- contract, and this large French conglomerate uh, is standing in his way, obviously. And it just—it seems—it seems so forced to me. It does. It kind of took me out of it. Like it making the French into the bad guys seemed like they could over the top. So, over the top, they could have chosen so much better. As for the the part we are talking about, where we're getting towards the end, Mike Tyson's trying to blow up a plane with a rocket launcher. He misses twice, and <laughs> and then the helicopter fires a uh, a rocket at his tank, and and you know it doesn't kill him, but it blows him 
you know, blows him several feet away and, and, the, and knocks, knocks him out. And the effect of that is clearly a green screen as well. Oh, yeah. Like it was so <laughs> it was not good. No. That was not not good CGI or whatever they were doing. It it wasn't good. And then for the the most propagandic, if that's even a word, moment in this movie, they're being attacked by these military officers. And for some reason, he has a Chinese flag in there. And she throws a javelin at him and he throws it up and he's standing there with this Chinese flag flying in the air and they stop shooting. Yeah, for some reason, the Chinese flag stopped the Africans from shooting. Like China, the Chinese flag is supposed to be some sort of symbol of peace or whatever. And then to further that for like the rest of the mission as they're flying around, they've constantly just got this Chinese flag flying. They go by some rebels who stop, fire up and go, we love China. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, like it was very, very thick propaganda. Yeah. Um, like they like it they could have used I mean they couldn't have, but if they if it had been Canadian salesmen. <laughs> they could put up the, 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 the Canadian flag and it, I would have bought that people would stop shooting at that. I don't <laughs> buy that people see the, the Republic of China's flag and we're like, oh, there's the good guys. We better stop. And then they even like further that where he's held hostage on a boat and he's talking about how the Western people take slaves and treat them like shit and they're not like, you know, how many sl- how many slaves in Africa have the Chinese taken? I'm like, all right, okay, what the fuck is what the fuck is this all about? They're basically saying that because China didn't take slaves in Africa, that they're better, even though they're probably one of the biggest holders for slaves right now. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. It, it's sort of a uh, way to gloss over the fact that they're doing a lot of shitty things now. Yeah. Oh, fuck. And so, so, like I said, some of the effects on this when the towers are exploding. Yeah, the, the, that's really rough. I mean, that could have been cheaply, cheap enoughly done, but they really, really cut costs using green screens and, and the like. Like when, and he's, it, when he's falling to the ground. Yeah, that was really bad. And it's clear that he's like leaning against something to kind of get the shot and they're slowly lowering him and then they drop him. Yes, yeah, precisely. I mean, um, I was really worried at the start of this movie it was going to be one of uh, James Beaver's unwatchable movies that he loves to make me watch. But uh, I, I, I will say that this movie is watchable you can watch it. You you might be like I was and be like, what is going on with this movie? But there's enough action that it keeps you, keeps you locked into it. You're like, okay, maybe this is going to, maybe I'm going to figure this out. Like you'll probably go through the whole movie thinking, okay, it's going to get tied together here at some point. No, it doesn't. It doesn't, but you you'll think that. Yeah. But my, my issue with this is like when I say, when I say movies, they're often, even if they are bad, they're at least entertaining. That's why. Yes. That's why I aim. This was just boring. Oh, see, no, I didn't feel that at all. I was no. entertained. I was really? entertained. By this. Yeah, I was entertained by this movie. It was. Uh, uh, I was in. I was into it right till the end. There's been. I've watched a few of your movies. You did that. That uh, 
sudden death thing with me. Oh, the gauntlet. The gauntlet. And, and that was far worse than this. Well, at least with the gauntlet, you can actually tap out. With this, you had to watch the whole goddamn thing. And this I, movie is an hour and 50. This is 110 minutes. It's a long, it's a long movie. It's, uh, it's, it's almost two hours um, all said and done. Like it's an hour 50. I've got it up on my screen right now. Yeah. Uh, that, I mean, of course there's credits in there as well, but uh, like yeah, five minutes of credits. It's a long, long movie. And then at the end there's, I don't know if you saw, there's a blurb all about the China salesman. Did you see those blurbs about? Uh, yes. Basically more propaganda. What a hero China is. And, and they're all about people not, stealing you know information over networks and stuff like that all all this crazy propaganda stuff and it was almost like it was almost like they're playing off that this was like a autobiographical film yeah apparently it's based on a true story but here's the thing when you hear based on a true story like pinch of salt that shit you know yeah for sure like when you hear based on a true story china all right (laughs) you've got you're gonna be like okay so like you know good 50 percent of this is bullshit so so this uh the bulk of this movie was made in australia and they use refugees from the south sudan so what happened was the production saved money this allowed for seagal's expensive taste in food and women So so apparently they hired refugees for this movie so they could buy Seagal uh, food and prostitutes. Well, yeah, that's what he's known for. That's why he's, that's why he's operated overseas for so long. Yeah. Cause he's huge, obviously in places like China, Yeah, but uh, he has expensive tastes. We'll just say that. Yeah. And he's not known for doing much. I mean, like realistically all told in this movie, what was he in it for 15 yeah. minutes? Maybe. Yeah. And he probably cost 150 grand. Pro, just... pro, well, it easily, uh, like I think more than that. I think he got a big payday. Yeah. And and he, and he he flubbed lines. Like there's parts in the movie. Like I've done. I did a little bit of research. There's one part in the movie where they're speaking Mandarin, <laughs> and, he, and he tells them to speak English, and it was due to him forgetting his lines. <laughs> yes, I, I was just about to bring that up. Uh, yeah, yeah. So he forgot his lines, and they both talked to each other in Chinese. And it was like, start speaking English. (laughs) And they left it in the movie. Yeah. They left him in the movie telling him to speak English. Like that almost gives me more respect for those actors because they didn't sort they didn't really break stride. They're just like, okay. And they just kind of switched over to English. Yeah, I really felt bad for a lot of the actors in this movie. Especially that woman that was his like barmaid. Yeah, the one that he's patting on the ass all the time. Pat, yeah, like every scene, he's just she should be across the room, and he's just like hovering over, patting her on the ass, and walks off. And you see the look on her face, like she was supposed to like it. Yeah, but but you can see like the fear in her eyes. Like f- she, she was not happy to be there. Get this at fat, all. Get this fat son of a bitch away from me. Yeah, like I don't know. It was. Uh, I mean, Mike Tyson is the star of this movie, and, and yeah, I I really liked uh, how they ended it with him as well. I did too. There was some bad dubbing at times where you could tell he screwed up some of his lines and you could see his mouth moving and like some bad dubbing going on. Yeah. But when he was, when he was on, he was on like, like um, his, his also, even, even though he did do a good job, his attempts at doing an African accent. Yeah. That was pretty bad. <laughs> like 
but that's what I came for. I, I do. One of my favorite things in wrestling of recent times was when Booker T was doing a. Uh, Serve me pee, you die. That's what Mike Tyson says to Steven Seagal when he beats the shit out of him. And I would like to say the same thing to the filmmakers when I beat the shit out of them. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and it's weird because the first time he says it, he says pee. Yeah. Then he says, you're trying to serve me piss. It's, it, was a, it was a weird a weird switch. Like It was like, oh, okay, he's saying pee. Maybe this is going to be like family friendly. And then like 35 seconds later, he's like, Trying to give me piss? Yeah. <laughs> uh, another one. Combines my two great loves in life. Telecommunications and Mike Tyson with a rocket launcher. Yeah. like <laughs> that, that was one of the funniest parts of the movie. And where Mike Tyson, they made him out to be more or less bulletproof. I mean, he gets shot with a rocket launcher from a helicopter and it just blows him back. He gets knocked out. He gets back up. A concussion grenade goes off right by his head, knocks him out. He's back in action within five minutes. Like they made Mike Tyson, they made him the star of the movie, really. And then Steven Seagal comes in at the end. He kind of turns face and helps helps out the China salesman, keeping his uh, his technological goods out of the hands of the evil French. Yeah. And and then that's really it for him. He just kind of comes. He doesn't even get off the bike. He's so fat and lazy for this fight season. He stays <laughs> on the bike. And moves his head to dodge the punches from these <laughs> supposed ninjas that are, you know, attacking him. And all he does is move his head and punches one guy. And then that's it. He grabs the China salesman, which he probably didn't actually get off the bike for that. Throws him on the bike and drives off. Like, he did not get off the bike in a fight scene. I forgot there was ninjas. I that forgot, is a problem. I forgot there was ninjas in this movie. Yes, there's ninjas in this movie. And one of them was the French guy, so it's not even a ninja. A French ninja. A fake French ninja. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm looking right now at Mike Tyson's IMDb. And it's a lot of him appearing as himself. Yeah. Uh, I actually do need to watch him in uh, It Man Free. Yeah. Uh, apparently... He has a role in that, and that might be why he actually is good at doing fight scenes. Because apparently, yeah, he... carry on. Uh, yeah, he's got he's kind of had some on the job training. I mean, every movie, even if he's just playing himself, almost every movie he's got to punch somebody. And there's yes. no way that he, they're they're letting Mike Tyson, even if he's been retired for 20 years, mm. throw throw hands at any actual star. Like it's just not going to happen because the last thing to go on a fighter is their punch. And yes. he, he, if he connects with anybody, uh, any average person, they're done. They're, they're dead. Yeah. And I'm looking now, apparently he's got a movie in pre-production called The Devil May Care, where he's playing Lucifer. That's good casting. I can that, see that. Yeah. He's the only one thing. So The Devil Trans forms himself into the body of a man and tries to corrupt a woman who might be the last remaining pure soul on earth. Yeah, it's kind of this is it's kind of more kitschy stuff like it's kind of the same bag as as this, you know. I don't think any studios ever going to give Mike Tyson a vehicle. Yeah. You know, they're not going to give him a you know, big push as a as a Hollywood star, nor should they. Yeah. But Mike, you know, Mike Tyson playing Mike Tyson in a movie appearing as himself 
is perfect because he is a character in and of himself. I think if they do make a, a new Street Fighter movie, Mike Tyson as uh, Balrog. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. He, he might be a little bit old for that. But. Well, you, you want to know why? Because it's pretty much based on Mike Tyson. Balrog's original Japanese name was M. Bison. Right. But, but because of potential lawsuits from Mike Tyson, they switched it around. Well, yeah, and then there was a Bison. M. Bison was the wrestler in the game, wasn't he? I uh, know M. Bison ended up being the final boss. Okay. The general guy. So you had... Yeah, that's M- right. You're- M. Bison was originally called Vega. Uh, Balrog, who was originally the uh, Vega, the guy with the claws... Yeah, so they and, just kind of switched switch some names around. Yeah, they switched everybody around. So, very interesting. And maybe, because there's uh, he's had two actors play him already. One including Michael Clark Duncan. Yeah. So, uh, Balrog was pretty much a retired boxer anyway, so you could easily do it with Tyson. You could. They're going to have to get on, get on it, though, because yeah. sands of time are not rolling downhill. Or rolling uphill for Mike Tyson. But with movie magic, you could easily do it. And looks- yeah, no, I'm just thinking in terms of, I mean, this is maybe a bit dark and macabre to talk about, but the amount of head blows that guy's taken, uh, you don't know how long his mind is going to be there. You don't know how long that's, you know, he's going to stay frosty, let's say. I-, I would say, though, Mike Tyson hasn't taken that many head blows because he was usually the one doing the head blows. Yeah, in his professional career, but you know how many fights did he have before that? Before he became he had a Mike lot Tyson, of, you know. He had a lot of smokers, so yes, yeah, true. But uh, so now let's get let's we we have a, a new rating system. Okay, let's do it. So the new rating system is out of five, and it's named after the man himself, Billy Blanks. So it's nice. Out of five blanks, what would you give this movie? So five banks, blanks being amazing and zero blanks being awful. Yes. Okay. I would give this, uh, ooh, it's tough because I've seen some pretty bad movies you've made me watch. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to give this 2.5 blanks. Oh, God damn. 2.5 blanks out of five blanks. Oh, really? Yeah. 2.5 blanks because you've made me watch some, some, <laughs> some movies that were like negative 70 blanks. That, that was, that was like gauntlet though. You ignore yeah. those movies because they're never. I'm never doing a full episode on them unless. Okay, you do so that. let me amend that then. I'm gonna I'm gonna take off that half. Two take blanks out okay. of five. I'm giving this zero blank. Actually, I'm gonna give this uh, half a blank. And half a blank. Yeah, and that's only for Mike Tyson. Yeah. See, I think I I think I enjoyed the movie a little more than you did. I think I was able to suspend a little bit more uh, disbelief than you were. So I enjoyed the movie more. Yes, it was ridiculous, but I didn't expect I was watching Serpico. Oh, God. I, I didn't expect it, but I expected a bit of fun, and there was zero fun apart from the opening. Yeah, the, there the, wasn't a lot. Of, you're right. There was not a lot of fun in the no. movie. It was a lot of tech talk, a lot of propaganda bullshit. There was no like entertaining sequences. I was bored throughout. The, the only time I had fun was when Mike Tyson and Steven Seagal had a fight, which ended with Seagal flicking him in the ear. Yeah, like that, that was so stupid. Yeah. Let, let me float this by you, though. What do you think if the movie was completely in English? I think that would change everything. 
I think the problem with this movie, well, uh, among many problems, but one of the main problems in this movie is the fact that it switches back and forth between Mandarin and English, and it's incredibly hard to follow it and string it all together. Yeah, it's it's very, it's almost like there's too many cooks in the kitchen, and they had to, you have to have equal parts Chinese and equal parts English. Well, yeah, because it was a Chinese movie, but if the movie was English, fully English, yeah, I think it might have changed things. I might have known what was going on earlier in the movie. Yeah, I you know, I might have enjoyed it more. It might have kicked it up to, to 2.5 blanks. But uh, because, because it was the way it was, it's, yeah, two, two, two blanks is a very generous rating. Mm, it's, very, it's a super generous. I'm thinking half a blank is yeah. a super generous rating. But they, I, think they, you're right. I think you're right on. Yeah, so there we have it. That is the second of the modern Steven Seagal movies. Now I'm going to go back in time. Okay. We're going to go to what's considered the best Steven Seagal movie ever made. Under Siege. Yeah, I would say that's probably true. That's that's what I hear. And we are going to, I've watched it before on VHS. I've not seen it in years, so I'm very interested to see if it still holds up. As a great cast with uh, yeah. Tommy Lee Jones playing the heavy. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? That movie, I want to say in 92 uh, is when it came out. And I, I believe 91. And and the, the cast, I mean, from what I remember, you mentioned Tommy Lee Jones. I think Gary Busey uh, is in there as well. Yep. Um, yeah. Um, like, it's been a very long time, so I couldn't even proffer like... I, like I might even watch that. I couldn't oh. even proper an opinion on it, but I know it's regarded as oh, the shit. best movie Seagal's done. Oh shit! It's got uh, Tuco from Breaking Bad. Holy cow! Yeah, Tuco Salamanca. Yeah, uh, Raymond Cruz. Wow. So there we go, and it also has uh, Erica Elenik, if you remember her from Baywatch. Yeah. Oh, and I just looked it up. It was ninety-two. Yes. So. That will be with uh, Mike Reed. He is coming back. I told him in the movie, and I don't think he's impressed already. So find out next week as me and Mike check out Under Siege. Chris, thank you once again for coming on. Uh, I'm looking forward to you being more of a regular, actually, this year because I I generally enjoy what me and you bring to the table when it comes to an episode. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm all for that, and I look forward to your episode with... The unbreakable Mike Hammerstone. Oh god. Oh oh yeah. That's who I call Mike Reed. Yes, because that is his name in our uh our chat when we're playing online gaming. So yes, I, I named him the unbreakable Michael Michael Hammerstone. So <laughs> I, I enjoy that. Uh, and I'm gonna enjoy that episode. And, and and I enjoyed this as well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no worries, man. With that done, I'll catch you guys next time. See ya.